did you clap loudly? It just looked like you just brought your hands together for prayer. It didn't look like a clap. We have a, we have a peak on our side. I was just excited about the delay between the two claps. <laughs> it was about that long. <laughs> um, but I think hopefully the audio audio. Shall we do it again or fix it in post? Fix it in post. Son of a mother. Fix it in post. If I ever hear that line ever again, I swear to God, I'm going to open up my own studio and ban that phrase. And then I'm going to close the studio. But that's that. That's it. The the whole purpose <laughs> of the studio is is just to ban that phrase. It's a studio that's called Fix It in Pre, but <laughs> instead of like editing it, it's just like an acting school. Just like, so, listen here, we're gonna fix you right now. <laughs> yeah, the, the the name of the school is actually Do Your Damn Job. <laughs> Do Your Damn Job. Oh, so you just wanna open up a radio station? No, 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 no. You don't understand. It's different. Because... There is no fixing it post because it's live. Wait, hold on. Let me uh, switch the audio to our headphones. Oh. Oh. Oh my God. Wow. Those were good days, man. I know. I was just, you just like threw me back. I was just like, wow. Can I just say the protests in London were known worldwide? Like our videos were being distributed worldwide, and the songs we came up with. Really? Oh my god! I was they like were, hella jelly. They were basically taking old football chants and just right. keeping the tune, but then obviously overlaying it with with lyrics which were relevant for the for the um, protests. And like when they were coming up with stuff on the spot, like it was like watching freestyle rappers <laughs> uh, go at it. And I'm like, damn guys, I am impressed. And they would like huddle up in a circle and they were like, okay, boom, 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 No, we actually, we would follow them. Like our mini protests here before it, we would prep up and write down, okay, what are, what are the what are the British kids say this time? We kind of like proud of them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we're definitely uh, influencers. You guys are the... Machallah, machallah. Movers and shakers. Muhammad. Yo, tell me. I got followed by a stranger. Oh. But in a good way the other day. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, on, I'm... Twitch. <laughs> on Twitch. On <laughs> Twitch. It's not his mom and it's not his friends. It's a random person. As soon as I said it, I was like, there's, there's a joke here. No. <laughs> there's a joke here. <laughs> I also, the, 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 that's the whole thing with the... Like, you can now, like, even follow on Facebook before it's, like, you're friends with them. But no, then it's, like, follow or unfollow them. Well, they don't want to, like... following thing. So, explain this, like... I know I'm a millennial, but explain this like I'm a boomer. What is the difference between following someone on Facebook and being friends with them? Uh, One, you're in for the gossip. Two, you just care about them. I don't know. I think uh, friends has to be mutual. First and foremost. Oh yeah. So. But do you still get access to their posts? Only their public posts, if they share anything publicly. But their public posts are public. 
So anyone can technically go to the... Yeah. Oh, right. So following, you get notified oh, or you see them on your timeline. Yeah. But if you don't follow, yeah. Yeah. you can still see their public post, yeah. but you'll have to go to their profile. Right. Does anybody okay. else, like, have a problem with the term follow, though? Because, like, it's kind of creepy. It just, you know, if you're following someone out on the street, it's the same as following them on Instagram. Just Instagram, you're doing it from your couch. When you leave... I will follow anywhere. Oh my god. Gilmore Girls. Love that show. Love that show. I know you guys. I will admit it on this. I love that you love that. I don't know. Subscribe is kind of like the only other word I could think of for getting the whole concept of posting your life and then having thousands of strangers just consume it is is My weird followers right but they gotta be it's followers. like you're like a leader of like some sort of cult and like my followers I mean, basically they demand more content <laughs> an influencer is just a cult leader right yeah i that's, guess that's wow what we used to call what we used to call a cult following is just like a normal following now on the I internet. Fo- like in normal ca- conversation, you just casually insert. So I follow this one person who posts so much about this thing and blah 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 blah. blah. Oh, do you follow so and so? Because if you do, then um, she right. posted this thing. And if you comment your name, like, save that photo and then repost it on your story what is with youtubers saying hey guys welcome to my new video hit that subscribe button hit like what for what you have to for what yeah them. i haven't seen you anything to... yet okay <laughs> tell me at the end of the you video i need to watch your content first to know whether it's worthy it's a remind but they right. say it they say it in the beginning and the end right mm, they are like don't forget to like comment throughout. yeah don't forget to like comments and so because sometimes you get lost it in used to the be ether. it used to be that they um i mean i i never they would that. only say it at the end right yeah. um but now the 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 thing to do is at the beginning you show like the like youtube has this like analytic which is like number of people who watches your video and then the percentage of those people that are actually subscribed. Mm. So you'll have like all of your videos are watched by 47% non-subscribers. Right. Right. So yep. half the people who look at your video aren't subscribed. So I think they're just banking on this is an easy number to double my whatever following <laughs> by just being like hey you come in here every day, you look at my videos, click this red button, it does nothing for you, but it makes me money. Yeah, like, but I'm just amazed at how many people, like, it's clearly a lot of people, like, fully use YouTube and constantly, all the time, watch content on YouTube. Yeah, at, le- yeah. at least at least 10 people, um, I would say, you know? Yeah, no, no, at least 10. Yeah, but I mean... What I mean is that, like, as a person who doesn't, like, if I go on to YouTube, Maybe. I'm looking for a tutorial. YouTube is my YouTube university, pretty much. Sure. You know? Yeah. I used to only use it to watch music videos. Now, I realized the other day I haven't watched a music video in such a long time. Um, I do it for tutorials of, like, food or DIY projects. The end. Um, and even then, niche. And even then, it's not like I follow specific people. So, for... So it's like a, it's amazing how much effort is put into it because there are people who all they do they don't scroll other things they just binge watch YouTube with different 
I don't know. Um, when, yeah. So, like, Ahmed Semai does it, but there are people who do it more than him, and it's like crazy bananas to my brain. This is Third Culture Block, where you're from from, with Wisal, Ahmed, and Mohammed. It was 2009, and I was but the tender age of 21. Okay. And um, I was part of the Islamic Society at university. I think you guys call it um, the Muslim Association or something. MSA. MSA. MSA, yeah. Muslim Student Association. Muslim Student Association, okay. Okay, so I was part of the ISOC and we were organizing an event for, uh, I think it was Ramadan, um, where we would have a, a speaker come and talk to us about, you know, certain aspects of the, of the religion and uh, just life in general and, you know, try and bring in student life and all that kind of stuff. And we had uh, a dinner afterwards. Now, I wasn't the best speaker, public speaker, but because I was on the board, I was kind of tasked with introducing the speaker. Oh, oh okay. dear God, I get anxiety just thinking Ugh. about it right now. But I, uh, my, I'm sweating for you. <laughs> my logic at the time was, Mohammed, don't think about it. Just do it and you'll be fine, right? It seemed right. like a flawless plan. Flawless. There were no issues whatsoever works, in that plan. Work, I don't see anything. I don't see any problems. It works every time. Yeah, it works every time. In fact, the more... How can your plan fail if there's no plan? Exactly. <laughs> see, you get it. And in fact, the more you think about be, how nervous you are, uh, the less nervous you are. Uh, right? True fact. True fact. So anyway, I... Because you're focusing uh, on the nervousness and not the actual presentation, right? Exactly. So I get up there mm-hmm. and the speaker's behind me at the table and he's waiting for me to introduce him to the people oh, no. so behind me is the speaker in front of me right. are the eager students who have come and they were waiting for me to introduce the speaker right because not everyone knew who he was and right. i was like hi assalamu alaikum um so today we have uh, speaker mr <laughs> brother abdallah and uh, uh the speaker is and i'm looking like i'm trying to do the whole confident thing of I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking everybody in the eye of like, yeah, I see you. Yeah, I see you. I'm acknowledging you as a human being. (laughs) So I'm like, yeah, so Abdullah, he's uh, brother Abdullah. He's going to be giving the speech today. He's going to be talking about this. Uh, The background of Mr. Abdullah is that he went to this school and university and um, he studied Islam and uh, and I'm looking at this time. I'm looking back to see his reaction and his reaction is like, okay, that I then way to warm him up. (laughs) And then I go, uh, thank you for coming today. And I hope you enjoy the speech and there's food after the talk. Walk off to the back, <laughs> behind everybody. Wait, so no did one you actually do thumbs me. up? No, I didn't do. Did a you actually up. give no, no, him no, a thumbs no, up? No, no, oh, no, dang! No, 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 no. Um, I would have wished for the earth to just swallow me whole right then, uh, had I done <clears> the thumbs up. So I walked to the back where now I'm behind the audience, right? So now the speaker is looking at me, and right. without missing a beat, without missing a beat, he just turns around and goes. Um, uh, thank you for that. Uh, but, you know, just for the benefit of the audience, uh, I'd like to do the introduction again myself. And I was like, <gasps> okay, then. Oh. You know what? Um, I'm going to show myself out. Uh, I, I don't even want the food. 
don't even want to food. No. I'm okay. It's mortifying. This is okay. This is okay. Uh, uh, and that was my introduction to uh, public speaking. Um, right. Oof. Um, <laughs> but what happened afterwards? <laughs> well, what ha- ha- happened was, as Wusan says, what sure. happened was, um, I took up a position as student ambassador at the university, and what that meant was, whenever we had an open day. Uh, where you know prospective students would come and see the university, see if it's something they'd like to apply to. Um, they'd come with their parents sometimes, right? And for some reason, yeah. I took to that like a duck to water, where I would just be like f- freestyling stuff. I'd be taking them on tours of the campus. I'd be talking to them. I'd be cracking jokes. I'd be doing this. I'd be doing that. And it's maybe because it started off in small groups of maybe like three people, four people. But then eventually I was taking tours of maybe like 15 people at a time. And I was addressing everyone's questions. I was doing this. I was cracking jokes. I was taking them to this place. I was doing that. And it just felt completely natural. So every time I look back uh, (laughs) when that. Yeah. So I'll uh, I'll give the introduction again myself. I always cringe, but also laugh (laughs) of like how far I had come. Uh, since then but yeah public speaking in the beginning was no joke man oh my god i can't imagine i find it to be easier to talk in a crowd of people that i don't know Mm. than to have even like three people that i know that are in the crowd um and also one thing i learned from my public speaking class if you know your 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 work or you know the topic or the subject that you're talking about you're an expert at it, you can talk about it. Mm. So whenever you're choosing to talk in front of people, always choose a subject that you're an expert to a certain extent at. So that way you're confident and comfortable in talking about it. So when you're walking people around campus, you know everything about the campus. Yes, you also did start with like less people and then you made your way up to uh, groups. But still, you did it enough times for you to be able to talk to people about it. And that's how I, like, even uh, when I was working in the studio and I was teaching painting or, like, just talking to groups of 60-plus people and, you know, um, doing step-by-step painting classes and teaching and stuff like that, a room full of strangers who come to you to learn about something, so you're the one with the knowledge. So you own up to your knowledge, you share your knowledge, bada-bing, bada-boom, and it makes it easier. I don't know, that's the thing for me. And this is coming from a person who does have social anxiety, but it's easier to talk to a room of uh, strangers than it is to talk to a room of people that I know. So I think... Aside from having a mastery of the topic, once you're comfortable with it, I think there's kind of another step that you have to take because um, I've I've uh, I've never had an issue speaking in public. Um, it, it it I actually my issue was that I spoke too much in public. <laughs> like I would have uh, in school, I would have like a little sheet that I'd have to have my par- my each teacher sign in elementary school, and I'd bring it back home to my parents, and they'd sign it. And the teachers would be like, Ahmed did not talk every minute of this class. <laughs> B, right? <laughs> From a scale of like S to like to like F. I had a, a chart that I would like bring to each class throughout. I think it was like first, second grade. Um, so, yeah, no, publicly speaking was never an issue for me. It was like 
the selection of words later on. It's from a show is basically phrasing and like the thing that you said, you reevaluate it, looking at it with a different light and you can realize like, oh, that's um, could be inappropriate yeah. or it understood. Like what we were talking about the other day where I, uh, I mean, uh, when I was talking to you about how I had a stranger follow me. Um, <laughs> I meant on the Twitch. The other day. I actually had genuine concern <laughs> when you said that. And then, oh God. Right. Yeah. No, so I was just like, oh, yeah. But no, no. I had like a new follower on Twitch. I'm building a community. It's great. That's a good thing. Mm. But I just like, out of the blue, out of context, was just like, so a stranger followed me. And <laughs> mm. um, yeah, no, I only bring up all of this because like, you kind of go from the comfort factor, which is supported by the like the knowledge factor but then you really need to focus on the words that you're built that you're building right that you're using because words are kind of what we build labels and we build communities out of right we label people a certain way and so that word is associated with them and then they are a specific people right Mm -hmm. um that kind of is how you know uh right now the the word you know i bring up all of this uh because it it relates to kind of um what's happening in in palestine and what has been happening in palestine where a semite a semite is is no longer a person from kind of that region it's a jewish person in that region Uh, you were saying this earlier where if um an article comes out about the death of Palestinians, it's the death of Palestinians mm. rather than the murder or the uh, whatever word you're going to use mm-hmm. um, to paint it a specific way. And like that, that different choice of words is, is the difference between defining a community as violent, right? Murdering versus defining a community as I don't know, pathologically dying or poor yep. or something, you yep. know, uh, from just like dying. So yeah, I, I think. Um, and it it really does it 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 gives you a you know a partial image of what's happening over there, when, and like you said, words really do matter, and the media knows that. So when they say X amount of Israelis were murdered, they know that's going to trigger certain connotations in people's minds. But then when they say, well, you know, 1,500 Palestinians died, it's, it's not as tangible. It's, you can't relate to it as much, right? And they know that because I think I've, I've been in the media field for, for several years, right? And you kind of right. come across certain things or certain tactics that they use to uh, make the news more flamboyant, I guess, or to push the narrative I mean, at best, it's pushing the narrative. At worst, it is just manipulating the facts in a certain direction. Because what's happening now is the mainstream media is being challenged a lot by alternative media. And by that, I mean people on the ground tweeting live of like, guys, I'm in Palestine and this is happening right now. Here's a video versus mainstream media saying nothing's happening over there. Everything is quiet because it's not the right people being oppressed. So they don't report on it. And they sensationalize a lot of stuff because they know that sells now. People aren't going to websites anymore. They, sorry, people aren't buying newspapers anymore. 
And because that's happening, uh, these news websites are having to uh, now create subscriptions on their websites. So they'll give you the first paragraph. If you want to read more, support journalism by paying this much a month. And what kind of journalism am I supporting when you are clearly manipulating the, the, the information that you're getting from people on the ground? And there are several tactics that they've used. So, I mean, you you mentioned one of them, and that's a very subtle one, right? And just to point out, Arabs are also Semites, and I always find it laughable when they whenever they accuse an Arab of being anti-Semitic. It's 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 almost like saying you're a self-hating a Semite, uh, which is really bizarre. Because if you were to tell people, oh, by the way, Arabs are Semites as well, it really does remove the power of that. Uh, that threat of of being called an anti-Semite because if all of a sudden you can say, well, you know, I'm I'm a Semite myself. I can say stuff like this. It's not I'm not being offensive at all. I'm I'm merely pointing out the fact that this is wrong. This group of people has done this to this group of people, and it is unacceptable. It's inhumane. Right, and it's like one of the first kind of defenses where if you attack kind of Israel or any sort of Israeli ideas, then you are anti-Semitic, right? You are kind of attacking, you know, a whole way of life and a whole community of people, um, but a very specific one. But what's happened now is they've tied the political movement of Zionism with the religious group of Jews. And to conflate the two together has been detrimental to any sort of critique of 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 the state of Israel. So now it's almost become unacceptable to critique a nation's policies. No other nation has that. Right. You as an American have full right to critique your government and as you should. That's what that's the job of a citizen. I as a Brit can critique right. my prime minister until I'm blue in the face. I can do that. It's my right. And yet a Palestinian cannot speak out against what Israel is doing to them. What's happening? On a daily basis. Because they'll be labeled an anti-Semite. I mean, in Palestine, um, if you put up the Palestinian flag, for example, this is a just a just a just a flag, just a piece of cloth, right? That is against the law. That is, you know, that that you know, I've seen multiple multiple videos out there where Palestinians would bring a flag to a, a counter protest or to like or just to their protest in general and then immediately get attacked by the IOF soldiers and um, get harassed and get um, brutalized and everything just for bringing out a piece of cloth right. that represents the Palestinian people. The freedom of speech is beyond non-existent there. The freedom of uh, critique is beyond non-existent. Um, and the freedom of existing is non-existent for Palestinians within their own home. Right, um, and it is a kind of a battle of words, right? Like IDF, right there. What you're, what, what we saw was just saying was the IOF, right? So in Israel, they call themselves the Israeli Defense Force, right? They're defending the citizens. Mm. They're defending the state. They're defending themselves, but. What they've become is more of an IOF, which is the Israeli Offense Force, where (laughs) if anything happens that's remotely related to Palestinians, like saying anything counter to Israel, you can bet your bottom dollar that the IOF will show up, beat people within an inch of their life or past it, and 
call it defense, right? And on a global scale, it, you know, it becomes, oh, well, they're the defense force. So obviously, like, they had to, they, they had to protect against something, you know? Even uh, the dialogue around, you know, oh, so someone is criticizing the government, right? You were saying that no one is able to criticize, like, the Israeli government without the fear of being called anti-Semitic. Uh, anti but, you know, there is, there is the other option of calling that person Hamas or something, you know? You suddenly have... Uh, another label that you can just throw on someone and that vindicates you into doing all action, right? You've built this brand where if you say this word, everyone stops thinking, thinks 9-11, thinks terrorism, thinks whatever. Because you've dehumanized it's people. okay to blow up a hospital. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You've, once you dehumanize a people, you can do inhumane things to them. Absolutely. Anti-Zionism is not, has never been, and never will be anti-Semitism. To claim is nothing yeah. more than like a deceitful tactic. That's the way I see it, right? And it's crazy to me that you still have to convince people that giving Palestinians human rights is not anti-Semitism. That blows me away. That's literally all they're asking for. Even if you listen to the chants, Palestinians are saying Palestine will be free. In the Israeli Zionist chant, a protest, they're chanting, kill the Arabs. And the fact that that isn't making the, the headline of media coverage. Like, I've, I saw it some places, but not, not enough for it to make people well, yeah, like, you're, wake you're up on, and question. Well, yeah, you're on social media, and you, uh, you go to a specific site because it's very difficult to, like, propagate that content. Mm. And then you get there, and then you have to go through a sensitivity warning where it's like, oh, this is violent content. And then once you're there, you finally are able to see, like, oh, they're you know chanting for the death of an entire race of other people what but but the other side is like the genocidal ma maniac right. right not the people right. who are actively ethnically cleansing you know um and they can do it because like it's so like the you know i I'll, I'll applaud kind of the marketing of on on the israeli team like like if you look at any of the government like releases or the people who are talking they have the best words right like it's like trump oh i've got the best words <laughs> that's amazing like they the way that they phrase it the way they explain the situation the the pageantry of like of how it's set up you know um it all looks so legit so civil so like because they're always wearing you... suits they're always like you know iron shirts and comb back hairs and but they're just sharks in suits that's all they are yeah literally there was this video of netanyahu that went around where he was saying nobody cares more about the palestinian people than me <laughs> right like like when they come out with these false narratives false you know, claims and just... But these are buzzwords. They know people live off buzzwords now. And people don't even read articles anymore. They read the headlines. They construct a belief based on that headline. Especially when the article is only... You only you only get the first paragraph of the article without paying, <laughs> exactly. right? Like, so so make it. Like it. Make it. Had you paid, you would have known, actually, it's the Palestinians who are being oppressed. But you didn't pay, so... <laughs> Sorry. Man, man, we're, we're we're laughing about it, but obviously we take this seriously, and it's it's, not, it's crazy yeah. that how how effective this has been, right? And this is why 
you can see a pile of dead Palestinian children and then still sort of regurgitate the line, Israel has a right to defend itself. If, if Hamas didn't do this, then those children wouldn't be dead. So actually, it's the Palestinians' fault. So the Palestinian people have always taken a hold of their own narrative. Um, it's just that when the narrative is being relayed, it's not always relayed correctly by media. But if you meet a Palestinian, they mention that they're Palestinian. They bring up Palestine and the Palestinian roots and their kufiya and like every like they, it's like not a running joke, but it's like a it's a it's a known fact that if you meet a Palestinian, you walk away, you know that they're Palestinian. They introduce themselves <laughs> to the Palestinian. They talk about it's it like all. when you meet a vegan. It's just like hi, I'm vegan and yeah. my name is Tom. <laughs> by the way you know um it's i'm palestinian and then i'm you know so it's like so they're very proud of their heritage they're very proud to be who they are but it's also a way to guarantee and to ensure that their history and their people are not forgotten right so and their struggle in their struggle, like the whole, you know, the whole nine yards is not is not forgotten because essentially that's what Israel Israel um, is trying to do here is to erase the people. So, for example, the city of Lifta, um, where Israel is trying to demolish this historic city that ha- um, used to house Palestinians for generations and generations and generations. But now they just their claim is that it is a land without people. So it's a village, a, a what is it called? Uh, how do you say majhur in English? Deserted. Deserted. Ewa. So the the town of the the village of Lifta is a deserted town. The Palestinians left it. Blah blah blah. Nobody lives there anymore. This is their propaganda. Right, but we know that because um, I think the Palestinians have kind of like. The Palestinian people have been able to disseminate kind of these personal narratives also over social media. And I don't know, now more than ever, I feel like people are kind of coming out and joining this cause, especially, I think, with the tied interests of, you know, um, we're not free until we're all free is as one of the chants for like BLM here in the States. Mm-hmm. Like, um I think that is is kind of what's got us to know about Lifta, right? Like, without meeting a Palestinian uh, randomly and saying, like, have you heard the good word? <laughs> like, we, I, I feel like, I don't know, now more than ever, it's more, it feels like there is more change and it feels like there is more notoriety about I don't, the topic. So I don't know if there's, there's change in perspective, um, there, uh, there's change in exposure because of social media, even though actively social media has been trying to silence anything and everything that's um, for Palestine. So to the point where you, people now, when they write anything in their bio or hashtags or whatever, um, they're, they're, any written thing about the what's going on, you change the words a little bit. So if you write Gaza, instead of writing G-A-Z-A, you would write G at sign, Z at sign, or something, you know, you change it up so that way the algorithm doesn't pick up and silence the words because all these words are highlighted in 
and you right, know, but and by don't. by token of like this censorship, right? Like it's becoming apparent that we are now seeing more than ever this content on social media, and it's becoming very apparent that that social media is being censored, right? Yeah. Like if this was happening before, we would have heard about it before, but uh, it's nowadays. It's like you can actively see it because i think that there's so much exposure and there's so much of a global community around yeah Palestine. and the one amazing thing about the social media movement is that when you do have those articles and you know the only access to headlines those incorrect headlines you have a lot of people who take a screenshot and proofread and correct the headlines mm-hmm. um for example when it's when what we were talking about the in right, changing this much this many to the conflict to ethnic cleansing to you know to apartheid or like insert whatever word you want to put in there and then there's like 200 blah blah, blah um 267 palestinians died and it's like no you scratch out died and you insert murdered you know right. or and turn scratch out 206 and be like 37 children and their families right yeah. like and and um and so kind of correcting the narrative and then posting it onto social media and having that spread and so people will go back and read that and then you know i i, I feel like there has been a shift in the amount of people who are aware um i've had some like multiple people like message me about what like you know the this is the first time they realize what's happening and they're trying to get understand both sides of the story right as you know a lot of people try to do but then coming to the conclusion and realizing eh, one side of the story doesn't really add up you know and so this whole narrative of both sides has just been kind of dismantled um and then you have larger outcomes and larger you know larger larger outcomes at protests for example um that are more diverse because before it was just like you and your 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 um muslim community um friends going out to a protest so it doesn't like make more than like 300 people for example like i've seen in in atlanta or something or like 500 people let's be generous a thousand people max right um Versus versus now you have um the protests that we went to hundreds of thousands in one specific area like you have but and even then that's something that gets me is that for example like in london over two hundred thousand people marched for palestine right right? chicago had over five hundred thousand people um in yemen over twenty five thousand people it's it's amazing but then what what makes me irritated i guess is that there's no media coverage or not enough media coverage of the support of what's going on so now it's just it's 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 literally just social media has become the platform of rewriting the narrative of the palestinian people to those who who have not been exposed to it before or who you know just thought it was a really complicated conflict that, you know, oh, it's just the Jews and the Arabs, and that's what it always has been, what it'll always be. Why can't they just get along, you know? But there is a shift. There's a positive shift, though, definitely. But if you look from, like, five years ago to compare and compare it to today, because yeah. the whole social media has on a lot of us, people rely on social media for their news, full stop. Yeah. Why would I go 
to the BBC or the Guardian or CNN when I can go directly to a Palestinian activist's Twitter account and they will show me videos yeah. and pictures of what's happening. I'd rather their voices be heard more than me, you know, having to go, uh, rely on mainstream media because, as you said, mainstream media is not going to pick up on the fact that 200,000 people protested in London or 500,000, I think you said, in Chicago. Yeah. They're not going to pick up on that. Yeah. But you know who is? The people in London on the ground. They will yeah. live stream it for right. you. And people in Chicago will live stream and say, guys, half we'll a million people it, protested yeah. today and in support of Palestine. And that's what the mainstream media is terrified of, right? But the humanitarian cause of ensuring the Palestinian people have a state to call their own, it's advanced and it's at least being heard by the people now across yeah. the world. And like you said, it's no longer, it's no longer an excuse to say, ah, oh, it's too complicated or it's just politics. Because then you just sound ignorant. It really isn't. You honestly sound ignorant. Yeah. Right. I think right. I think that's why it's very crucial for people and and you know it's it's echoed throughout so many different um social media platforms but it's really important to keep posting about it because now it is it's effectively the modern word of mouth. Okay, so it's it's become the modern word of mouth when you share posts on your stories mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. share twi- when you like throw out throw out tweet tweet tweets but how do you what do you what do well, kids you, do you, you, it's when actually you tweet, you tweet a tweet you tweet a tweet yeah no you tweet a tweet god i hate it <laughs> um so you you know you t- uh, with, with the whole twitter world and the instagram world right. and the facebook world there's been a lot so that has become the modern word of mouth right social media has come a long way from being just like some amorphous uh, opinion piece from people, right? There's fact checking. There's you know the censorship, like you were saying. There's the sensitivity, and of course you're gonna get a very specific perspective, right? And so you're you, an enlightened reader and listener, uh, you will go to these accounts and say, oh, like this is obviously their very specific opinionated experience, like. We need to find kind of the counterbalance to that, right? Right. Right. And the issue is like, for so long the counterbalance has been if you go to um, main media, it's erased, and if you go to like pro-Israeli media, um, either the story doesn't appear or it is the only the stories appear where there is like active violence right and there's an opportunity for them to kind of paint this story it's very difficult to kind of put aside that perceived critical thinking and to understand that these people are of course they have an agenda but that agenda is like a humanitarian cause for themselves it's not that they're trying to get you to topple judaism or be an anti-semite right it's truly they just want to be free i have my grandma is older than your country like and (laughs) you're telling her she doesn't live in this house anymore right and it's like you you have like pithy phrases like that or you know un meetings where the whole world all of the united nations says hey israel stop do it using chemical weapons on palestinians and 
every one of those votes the u.s abstains right yeah it's like it's not made up it's like it's public knowledge but it seems so cut and dry and so simple that you can view it as strictly just like an opinion piece right there's like oh there can't be truth behind this because it's this is i'm speaking about my experience where it just seems so ridiculous that it can't be true like we can't just allow this to happen right Mm. you kind of have to take the experience for what it is because even if it is like opinionated media it's still factual and it's still it's the voice of the oppressed right and you you gotta you have to believe it right to kind of like piggyback off that it's the like you know uh, you you kind of have to believe it in a sense where there's facts to back up these personal narratives and these personal stories it's not like i'm a person behind um on a podcast just talking about what's happening it's like you said that there have been i think Muhammad, you said this where there have been like if you follow actual journalists and actual um, activists on the ground the opinions quote unquote or the personal experiences are adding up to what is physically happening so it's not just opinion it's not just personal it's personal narratives of what is going on so it's like you know a survivor of any any oppressive um regime coming out telling their story yeah of what happened under this oppressive regime or just like even not like you know yeah i don't believe in kind of trying to compare people or compare human experience but like just looking at like the different social media or like the different experiences that we have from you know palestinians in this uh uh, in this oppression and the israelis right the palestinians are always you know um painted as you know shooting rockets as israel and kind of fighting back hamas is shooting rockets hamas right hamas is shooting rockets but but, uh, but you you hear kind of the stories where it's like um, the IOF killed my whole family. Uh, the uh, Israeli government blew up my building because of Hamas. Like, my neighborhood's no longer here versus I had to go into a bomb shelter. My dog was very scared. Like, like uh, from the Israeli side, you know? Yeah, um, and, and, and my dog was very Not scared. to, like, uh, yeah, not to, like, trivialize, like, yeah. that experience because it's traumatic, it's terrifying, it's awful. But, like seeking out kind of these uh these like opinion pieces right even if you view them as opinion pieces i i think you start to get a better feel for what the what the problems are that people are experiencing and who are the perpetrator of those problems behind israel is kind of the global like the perceived global support of like judaism there are a lot of jewish organizations that are like man what you guys are doing is messed up but like the brand that they have for themselves is that we are the jewish state right there are no other jewish states this is what we do this is the community we've built like across the world to support us we have people we literally pay to troll like accounts that are anti-israel and some people we don't you know serving your country by you know shutting down any hate on the internet that sounds made up another one of those things but you just you can see it that it's there in islam and like like i guess the perceived other side of this conflict or of this uh, of these these two forces is um the concept of like ijma or ummah right 
nation. Yeah, this nation, right? This community. Like, um comes from, umma comes from, like, the the word, like, mom, right? Um, it's like the motherland. But it's not a specific place. It's just, like, the a community. And that's what it takes to kind of move the needle. The Palestinians shooting over advice to how to deal with rubber bullets and gas, like, in the States, yeah. like, during the BLM protests... That is, that's the way that you build kind of a global community, right? Help others yeah, that are Ferguson. being hurt. Oh, yeah, yeah. that too, yeah. So I, That's I, where it started was when the Ferguson protests were happening and they were being shot at by tear gas and rubber bullets. The Palestinians were like, hey, guys. We've been doing it for years. Here's some tips. Right. Tips from being tips oppressed. From the apartheid. <laughs> um, um, tips yeah, of no, it's, it's it's the fact that like we have a community and exposure that's kind of building up lately. I hope that that's kind of the force that will move kind of the needle forward. You know, I feel like everyone kind of makes fun of like right now, living in a PC world where you can't say such and such or you can't like do such and such. But I think like we discovered the other day, um, there are narratives that are silenced because of the way that they're told, right? There's a huge number of man-made lakes in the States that are exclusively made to bury black cities, right? Yeah. Um, You'll just find the ruins of, like, African-American towns in these lakes in the States, right? You have, like, huge swaths of, of... narratives just erased for the convenience of the oppressor and the only way we can get around that is exposing that narrative building a community around it and then doing something about it thank you so much for listening in we look forward to hearing more from y'all on our patreon twitter and instagram pages all third culture block with a three This is Wissal, Ahmed, and Mohammed.